Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Patty G Show. I'm your host, Patty G. We're here with Sanders Offner of Crescent Payroll Solutions. We're going to talk a little bit about payroll, a little bit about technology, throw in some branding and promotional concepts as well, and just all things customer service, how you take a company, grow it, and really stay true to your founding principles as a company as a whole. But before we get to that, I want to give a big, wonderful thank you to the amazing sponsors that make this show possible each and every week. Falaya Real Estate, Government Taco, Horizon Financial Group, Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge, and Mallard Bay Outdoors. Without further ado, Sanders, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. I'm glad we're able to make this happen and We've had a day. We've had a day together, and yet now we hit sit here and actually get to record a podcast. And excited. Very cool. I'm ready. So, who are you, and what do you do? My name's Sanders Offner. I'm the president of Crescent Payroll Solutions. So, we are a full service uh, HCM business where we help small, medium, and large companies with uh, the the full life cycle of an employee from recruitment to uh, through retirement. So, what's H- what's HCM? Human capital management. So okay. if you think about managing the the human capital, the employee of the business, and helping them streamline what those processes look like. Gotcha. So everything from hiring, onboarding, firing, paying, just the whole life All cycle. So how how did you get here? How did we get to Crescent? Well, I did. Uh, I worked for a large national payroll company called ADP for close to ten years. Uh, started out in sales, worked my way into management. And in, uh, in early 2011, uh, saw an opportunity to be able to provide more of what I felt businesses in Southeast Louisiana needed from a customer service component. Um, you know, payroll's payroll. It's not like ADP invented that. So to me, it was a, a natural thing to go out and try and establish my own name, my own business by providing not only a good brand, but a good service to the, to the business community. And it, it worked out. Isn't that like the, the, the life cycle of an entrepreneur that works for, that starts out working for somebody? You see what they're doing, you're like, I think I can do this better. Oh, no, you're right. And look, <laughs> I, I, believe me, I, I cut my teeth at ADP. That They taught me a lot. I probably wouldn't be doing what I am today if, if, without that experience. But, you know, I think if you've got that entrepreneurial spirit and you've got the drive, it, it's something that, you know, working for yourself and building something is, if you're passionate about that, you can do it. When it goes to... Honing in your craft through somebody that's got so much more experience than you in this example for like for a whole company to kind of give you those those tips and tricks that you need to really build a brand. You can get that by working for somebody before kind of taking that leap. Because, I mean, at, at the beginning, did you know you wanted to go into HR solutions and, I mean, human capital management for people? No. Uh, I graduated from LSU with a, a degree in microbiology because I thought I wanted to go to med school. It's a bit of a shift. It's a massive shift. It's a big waste of money for my parents, too. But here we are. You know, to me, I think the the sales component of what I do is that's a that's a skill set. And whether I'm working with a company on payroll solutions or HR or, or whatever, I think if you build trust with someone and they like you and they appreciate what you're doing for them, then you've got an opportunity to, 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 to build a partnership. So how did you make that transition from med school to HR? Well, I was, when I realized I wasn't going to go to med school, I went back to my, my counselor at LSU 
And he told me, you can change your major to business, but you'll be here for the, another three years. And that wasn't happening. Yeah, I don't think they have a lot of credit <clears throat> that can transfer from microbiology no. to business. So so really, my, my only option was to figure it out. Um, so I jumped into uh, to life insurance sales. So I was selling okay. life insurance door-to-door uh, in New Orleans and was good at it. And I think six to eight months in, I got a call from a recruiter from from ADP. He said, hey, you want to come sell payroll? I said, I don't have a finance or an accounting degree. And they said, come on in for the interview and just hear us out. And went in for the interview. And the hiring manager said it has nothing to do with a degree in accounting or finance. Can you do these things? And I could. So it was more on the sales side of things. Right. So what was it like going door to door? How was that? It was a little nerve-wracking, but I wanted to make money, so I had to figure it out, and I just, for whatever reason, I had this welcoming persona where people would let me in their house and talk to them about life insurance, and it worked. Yeah. I mean, it. the door-to-door salesman is like the quickest, robust way to get good sales experience. Oh, yeah. I mean, after you get past the doors being slammed in your face. I had a lot of those too. Yeah. But, you know. I mean, I think as as an entrepreneur doing door-to-door sales, it kind of helps build up that resiliency and, like, be okay with having a no. Oh, 100%. And and be okay with having adversity thrown at you. Yeah. Well, I think that's true in in sales and especially in entrepreneurship. You know, the amount of times that you're going to fall, fail, you got to be able to get back up and keep going at it. Yeah, I mean, and that's you, – you don't have an option as an entrepreneur to not get back up because no one else is going to unless you do it, right? So as a business owner, you're not going to have your employees saying, come on, Sanders, you can do this. Oh, right. It's on you. Yeah, and look, there there were many days like that. You know, when I started my business, I converted a four-foot-by-four-foot four closet of my house to my office. Okay. And at the time, I had uh, two small kids. So I'm in there banging the phones, trying to set appointments, and my kids are banging on the door. You know, so <laughs> trying to be able to explain to some, you know, a prospect, hey, that's just my kids, you know. But to me, that that was what made it all worth it to kind of see what the progression looks like from from that time to where we are today. Is it's uh, I'm very proud of that. So in transitioning from ADP and going to your own thing, the technology that was required to get that up and running. How did you kind of work in? Because, I mean, you're going from a sales experience. Did you have, like, did you have any insight into the technology that was used, or did you kind of just fly into it blindly? So if you're an independent uh, service bureau like mine, you really have two choices. You can invest money and have your own software built, um, which is which is very expensive and even more expensive to support it. Or you can go find a proprietary software that already exists and you go buy a license. So to me, um, it was a better move to go buy a license to a software that that already existed, was already tried and true. And that's the way I went. Now, when I first started out, we were very much a a payroll shop. So I was working with small businesses that needed help with just their payroll. Uh, And that has kind of morphed into this HCM component that I mentioned a minute ago, where these larger companies, payroll is really an afterthought. They need help with employee engagement and recruitment and retention. And you got to be able to splice these tools together through technology to be able to help them do that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure starting out, 
doing mom and pops that have five to 10 employees, maybe even less than five employees. It's a lot easier than when someone comes to you and says, Hey, Sanders, we have 350 employees across 10 locations. Right. And I have to, we have to manage them within our HR department. We've got one person. Right. What do we do? Right. That conversation is, is much different. Yeah. I'm sure initially, did you have anybody you had to like turn away of that size? Initially, um, I had quite a few. And, and I think that's where I've built um, some trust in the market because I, I think maybe three or four offhand that I know that early on told them, like, look, I'm not a good fit for what you need because I, I'm unable to accommodate these, these needs. And you, you fast forward five or six years later, I make the phone call, say, I can do these things now. And those, those prospective clients moved over to me. Really? Right. Because I didn't tell them initially, like, oh, I can do that. And not be able to deliver on that. I think that exact phrasing is so important for entrepreneurs to remember that sometimes you just can't do it all. No. You know, you, you can't service everybody, at least well. You can't service them all well while you're in that just yourself in a four by four closet working through these clients. Like you just can't service them, but you can maintain a relationship. Right. right. Until the point in which comes that you can service them. Right. Now look, this to me you know, so I was I was two years into my business, and um, I was growing at a at a good clip, but I knew if I wanted to scale, I needed help. I needed to surround myself with with great people. So, a CPA friend of mine in in, in New Orleans at a CPA conference uh, walked me up to this guy who um, was the top sales rep for paychecks at the time and said, "Hey, you you all should meet and talk." And um, we went to lunch multiple times and. I ended up hiring him as a sales rep with an earn-in to become a partner, and he did that very quickly. And he's he's my business partner today. And um, without him, we wouldn't be where we are today, because I needed the help. Yeah. And so it's recognizing that, that. Oh yeah, it's recognizing that. And then look, I've got we've got close to thirty employees now, and I tell them all the time in our state of the companies that without happy and engaged employees, this business would not thrive. So. My most important asset is them. So what can I continue to do each and every day to keep them happy, keep them engaged so that they want to come to work and when that phone rings and a client needs help, they're they're excited to help them. Yeah. And that's that's worked out well for us. So that's one of the things as we continue to grow that's always on the forefront is that I can I continue to maintain that same type of level of service and engagement with my employees and still be able to scale. So, and what are some ways in which you accomplish that? Well, number one is you've got, I think employees, there's got to be transparency in your business. So um, every quarter we share with our employees how we did for the quarter. We share our financials with them. We, um, we highlight some of the great things that they've done so that they feel like they're part of that success. And when you do that and then you talk about things that you want to do, they're bought into it. Right. They're not just like, oh, I'm coming to work this eight to five job and I'm going home. So we, we've got employees that, you know, are, are texting me on the weekends like, hey, how do we finish up for the month? And, you know, this is before they want to you know, know about it. Right. They want to they want to know what they're doing. So um, and I think you've got to get creative with what it is you're offering them to, you know, a competitive salary and, and, and good health insurance is is you know, to you and I is is one thing for I think for a lot of this younger these younger age profiles, they need more than that. 
So they they want to know that um, I am going to be, there is going to be some transparency. They want to know what your culture, your mission, your core values are, and you got to be able to, you know, exude that to them in an interview. Because at the end of the day, they want to know, like, where am I going to be spending most of my time? Is is with this company? I want to know that I'm going to be a good fit here, and I'm going to be able to contribute. Yeah, if you're working an eight-hour day, you're spending, what, a third of your day right. with these people? A majority of your week you're spent within this office. And I think it's even more so than they want the transparency. They want to feel like a family. They, they want to feel like a unit in some form or fashion to where they enjoy getting up and actually going to work. And it's not... Oh, they're dragging themselves out of bed, dragging themselves into the office and just doing the work. They're actually eager, and you can hear it in their voice when they talk to customers. that They enjoy what they're doing. Right. And I think that transparency is that is huge. Like Because yeah. then they start seeing, how can I make that number go up? How right. can we make more the next yeah. quarter? Well, look, yeah, I think business owners need to think about the little things that drive drive that. You know, one, one little thing we added to our incentive plan. So if you work for us for three years... We will give you $1,500 and two extra days of PTO to go on vacation. You can't pay your mortgage. You can't pay a bill. You've got to show me that I'm taking a cruise. I'm going to the beach with my family. And when we roll that out, you know, they were flabbergasted at that. Yeah, you, so you pay, like, they have to, like, bring you back. Here's the receipts from yeah. the vacation. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. And then after six years, I think we bump it to $2,500 and, and three days of extra PTO. So there's... They've, they've get, they know that, hey, if I continue to push myself and work here and be successful, that I am going to get rewarded. And, look, we've done pay increases and whatnot. But, yeah, of course. But, but that, that's something beyond that. Right. That, that is dedicating company funds to ensure the quality of life within your employees is greater every time. Right. Because yeah. that's – for $1,500 and two extra days for vacation can go a long way for a lot of people. I know. And, look, we've got great retention. And that is the number one thing – in my mind, is what is attributed to our 98% client retention and our net promoter scores are through the roof. Yeah. Is because our people, our team, are they're, they're doing a fantastic job. Well, and that's, that goes to right in line with what we were talking about right before the show, how when clients start interacting with somebody on a regular and consistent basis – they don't want to lose that interaction with that individual. Right. Because they, as a client, whether it's a business owner or an individual or whomever, they grow attached to that person because they know that person can solve their problems, knows about them, and they have that level of trust within those people. They have that sense of if I call Sanders or I call Patrick and I talk to them, they know who I am. I'm not just somebody that they got assigned a week ago and I've been with the company for two or three years. Like they're not getting passed around. They're getting that dedicated person who knows the ins and outs of their business and their needs. Sure. And that's why I think of, as we've scaled, we've been able to implement technology that a lot of these national companies have, but maintain that, that customer service component that they lack. You know, nobody wants to call an 800 number when you've got an issue or a question or you need something resolved right away. They want to know that I'm going to be able to talk to the person I need to and I'm going to remove that problem from my plate and it's over with. And especially with issues like payroll, it's not like it's something that can wait Very true. three or four days. Right. You're likely processing payroll, and you've got a cutoff time, and you've got to get that done with before that cutoff time. And typically your day is probably putting out fires, so you have maybe a half hour till that cutoff time hits, 
and then your employees, if you're so if you pass that up, now your employees don't get paid till the next day, till the day right. after they're supposed right. to. Then it messes with all of all of that. Yep. And you gotta send out emails to your employees. Hey, sorry, we're not gonna get you your paychecks on time, whatever the reason may be. And so they need those solutions right then and there. They can't wait for 30, 45 minutes. And every when, when you when you say that, what comes to mind? You ever watch The Office? Yeah. Do you remember that scene where Dwight and Jim go to do that sales pitch and Dwight shows up and says, can I borrow your phone? And he calls their competitors on the 1-800 number and like Jim's doing the sales pitch and Dwight's saying seven, two, three, and he puts it on speaker. And then they're like, that's one of the big guys right. that you're sitting on hold for this whole big time. And then like Jim calls the customer service and like chancers on the second ring. Like this is us. Yeah. And like that, that to me was like so visual when you, when hearing you talk about, how y'all maintain that level of customer service? I'm like, oh, that's the first thing that comes to mind is that that drastic of a difference. Because I've sat on hold with some of these companies. Right. Well, look, the national companies, and I won't name names, right? but they will have one payroll specialist to 500 clients. 500 clients? 500. My specialists maintain 125 clients because I don't want them not to be available ever when their client needs them. Right. If you've got, if you're, it's it's unfair for one person to have to manage five hundred. They're never going to get to them. No, that that is an exorbitant amount of clients to maintain on a regular, consistent basis. Yep. Do, like on average, if you have ten or five percent of people calling you, of your customers calling you a week needing something, that's twenty five to fifty people a week that you have to deal with. Right. And I'm sure sometimes it may be more than that. And you don't have the physical time in a day. And I think that goes also to the retention of the employees. It's a manageable workload. Right. It's not an unreal expectation of managing 500 employees, 500 customer clients. It's, no, you manage 125, which for some people may be like through the walls, but when you're in this professional services, you can handle a lot more people because it's not, the service you're providing is not eight hours a day sometimes. It's 15, 30, 45 minutes, an hour. Uh, you know, you couple that with, so for, if, if one of my specialists who manages 125 clients, they get sick or go on vacation, I've got a team that can easily cover that spread. So for that, for that person that's covering 500, if they're out for two weeks, now, now they're putting their teammates in a, in a, in a bad position and have to manage their own book plus more. So it, 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 it's a ripple effect. Yeah, and that's how you get employee burnout, and that's how you get people leaving your organization. There's just too much for them to handle and on their plate. And then they all also feel guilty about putting an out-of-office email away. Right. Because then they know, like, they're now burdening all of their friends or coworkers in a way that they're not used to. And it just creates – it. then, like you said, that ripple effect. It just drags on, and then you've got people leaving left and right because right. they just can't handle it. Yep. So how do you continuously maintain that as you grow? Well, I think we've – we're going to have to continue to be – labor heavy in a sense. So we'll have one or two people on the bench so that as we add 125 clients, we've got someone that can easily step up and start to manage a book of business. And, and then also if, if, if we ever had, unfortunately surprise terms, there's not, you know, there's not a, uh Oh, who's going to, who's going to handle this workload. And we do a great job of cross selling across our company. So, you know, you may learn a little bit about being a payroll specialist. You may learn about working in implementation, working in our tax department, ACH. That way we've got good coverage of help if multiple people are out. 
right. and that's always worked out well for us. So you know, a lot of a lot of a lot of our our team members are like utility players in baseball. They can do a little bit of everything, but they may be really good at one thing. Yeah, and when they're on, they're on in that one area. Right. I think that element in and of itself for small business owners is so crucial to have the understanding and the foresight to hire for growth, not hire for where you're at. You know, if you've got four or five people and you're operating as a mom and pop shop, you're going to continue to operate as a mom and pop shop. Because when you get more business, something else is going to fall to the side. And then you're going to exceed your capacity of workforce and you can't keep up with the growth. No. And then you're just essentially stifling and not going anywhere. Right. And it's tough. It is. Because that's planning and eating a cost that you thought you wouldn't have to. And look, I think where. I think entrepreneurs, uh, regardless of the industry they're in, their creativity and their their ability to be nimble also is is why they're an entrepreneur. I'll give you an example. So when when COVID hit, you know, my business partner and I, we for a fleeting thought, they're like, "Are we going to have a business in 30 days?" You know, because companies are starting to lay off employees. There's no more payrolls. Uh, but we looked at each other and said, "What can we do?" to provide an added resource to our clients, knowing that they have, they've got a need. So we, uh, we started an HR advisory division. So if you look at a small to medium-sized business, it's either the owner of the company doing the HR, or you've got a, an office manager that's been elevated to the, the HR director, right? And a lot of times that doesn't work, or they're unable to get to some of the strategic HR that's needed to be and stay in compliance. So we, we brought this, um, we brought in this gentleman who was a certified HR professional to kind of lead the division. And we went to our clients that were small and mid-sized said, hey, look, do you need help with these things within HR? And when I tell you it took off, it took off. And that allowed us to be able to go have another revenue stream while, we're, while we were taking a little bit of a dip with, with COVID and some layoffs of employees. And now that we've we've kind of come out of that and those employee counts have come back with our payroll clients, we've now got this flourishing HR division, which not only is growing, but allows us to be unique against our competition again. So yeah. we've got the whole customer thing going. You know, we've got great employee engagement, and now we've got this advisory group or advisory division that's taken off. It's, it's allowing us to really be competitive in the market. Yeah, and I think as a business owner, you have to be innovative in your own space when it comes time to challenge a global pandemic yeah. or challenge something else that's going to be thrown in your face. you got to be able to think on your feet and be able to pivot and figure out what you're going to do while maintaining your initial book of business. Right. And it's tough. It is. So y'all are also doing something kind of unique within Crescent, within the space that we're actually sitting in here right now. Y'all actually have a podcast. Yes. So walk me through that. So, you know, this was, again, this was a, uh, when, when COVID hit, we were, we were looking to get creative with our own marketing efforts. You know, what, what, what we sell is not a sexy sell by any means, right? It's like selling accounting services. Yeah. Yeah. Touche. <laughs> so we wanted to, hey, let's, let's figure out a way to be able to um, have a marketing component to our business, but at the same time, be able to provide a resource to our, to our clients or our listeners. So we, we morphed this uh, podcast called Down the HR Rabbit Hole. So it was designed to be able to have um, subject matter experts come on 
and provide a resource to the listeners that they may not otherwise be getting from their own business advisors or the business community. And that is, to me, it was a great tool because, um, you know, whether there was 20 people listening or 100, I honestly don't even really know how many people are listening, but to me, I think it was a, it was a give back, but it allowed us to, to stay in front of people. And we've had fun with it, you know, so it's a, it's a lot like this. It's a good time. We drink a little bit and we talk about, you know, those, some challenging topics and it's, it's rewarding to those that, that listen to it. Matter of fact, we, we got a, um, a really nice sized client that was listening to the podcast. And I, I think it was on transitioning from a PEO or transitioning out of a PEO. What's PEO? A professional employer organization. Okay. And this person happened to be doing that or going through that and called us up and we helped him do that. And he's been a, been a great client since. Yeah. And I think that right there is kind of the power that podcasts have, you know, for someone that is thinking about doing it for their own business. It's that power of one, you know, that power you could do it for a year or two years or whatnot. And you get one or two or three clients from it, but that client found you because of that resource and how many people are just listening to to hear that next sentence you're going to say that make that triggers in their head when you got to go to them. Right. You know, it's establishing yourself as the industry leader through a medium that a lot of people are starting to pick up on. Right. Hopefully one day it'll be as popular as yours. <laughs> I think it's easy to achieve. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Yours is pretty popular. You got to, you got to just keep going at it, man. Yeah. Guest lining up guests is the challenging part. Yeah. Well, and getting people to stick to a schedule. That's too. That's true. But I think it's, I think your kind of case in point with any business can do something like that. Any business can sit and talk with their clients. I mean, you can record your client meetings and that can be a podcast episode. So long, Very as, true. So long as they're okay with it. You right. know, obviously if you get really into some weeds and some numbers with them, they may not want that out there, but you can have a client meeting turn into a show because then you're establishing yourself with another person and they're already trusting you in a sense to have this meeting and to put this content out there. It's going to be there forever right. unless something happens and all the network shut down. Yeah. Yeah. So y'all are also doing another fun, from what I hear, marketing endeavor that is time-consuming, effort-consuming, and dollar-consuming. Yes, that would be a rebrand. A rebrand. A rebrand. So... You've got these cups that say Crescent. Your shirt says Crescent Payroll Solutions. So let's let's get into the rebrand, the, the the how, the why, the when, the where, the who. Sure. You know, one of the things that we looked at when we were cons- considering a rebrand, so our, our idea was we needed to rebrand the business because for, for so many people, when they think of Crescent Payroll Solutions, they immediately think, okay, they do, they, they do payroll services, right? And I... I my assumption is that over the years, we've probably, there's been some bigger businesses that have passed on, given, given us a call because they think, well, I, just, I need more than payroll, mm-hmm. right? So we knew, like, we, we've got we've to cut payroll solutions out of this. But how can we do it in a way that still is strategic and um, sends the right messaging out about who we are? So I remember uh, watching a, a clip from Steve Jobs when he was talking about rebranding and the thing he said was when you're, when you're uh, positioning your business, you should position it not about the thing that you do. 
but who you are as a company because that's what people want to do. That's what people want to work with. So we like Crescent because it still gives us that local, you know, feel of, of being from the, you know, the Crescent City. But when you see the tagline, empowering people, we like to think that what we are doing is impacting our clients' lives and impacting their employees' lives. So if you look at the icon, the new icon, you'll see how it's got a bunch of little crescent moons, right? So you see almost like a ripple effect, mm-hmm. right? So we believe that what we're doing as we partner with businesses is allowing a business to not only, you know, get what they need out of us from a technology perspective, but in our partnership, we're able to empower them and their employees to be happier at work, be happier when they go home, stay engaged, um, retain them. And to us, that's powerful. And that's who we want. That's who we want to be to our clients. So how does A, one decide to do that, but B, how do you actually go about rebranding? I mean, because you've got so many things your logo is attached to. Yeah, you have to, you got to put some pen to paper and, and say, okay, here's all the things that I know I have to do. Uh, what are some things that I could do differently if I had to do it over again? And, and look, this is again where uh, in one of our state of the companies, we went to our staff and say, look, we're, we're looking at rebranding. What do you all think we should do? And we got a lot of great ideas from our employees. You know, one of them was, hey, don't, because we were actually thinking about dropping Crescent completely and going with something really unique. Like a total name change. Total name change. Why would someone ever totally change their name? (laughs) But our employees said, you know, most people know us as Crescent. And they did. So he goes, why can't we maintain Crescent but provide that messaging a little bit differently? And that's where the the brand messaging came from. And coincidentally, we took, um, you know, our HR division is called Crescent HR, but we rebranded that as well as Impact HR. So if you look at how it's spelled, you know, Impact, we talk about the impact, I-M-P-A-C-T, right, that we make in our clients and their, in their lives and their employees' lives. But we wanted to be, continue to have that center focus around the employee. So that's where you got the E-M-P-A-C-T. So Impact HR is how is our HR group providing an impact to our businesses so that they've got you know, they can retain employees better. They get better engaged employees. And ultimately that helps drive a business. So, and this is, this is set to roll out within the next we're going couple live, of weeks of recording. We're going live uh, July 1 with the rebrand. So our, our website, will, our new website will be stood up. We've got a bunch of new swag, obviously these cups. Um, so it's, it's been, uh, it's been fun. You'll probably, see, we actually have a video shoot next week where we're having a, a company come in and, and do a big brand messaging video that we're going to send out to the public. And then we'll do a couple new core value videos and stagger that out over the next couple months. So have you started mentioning this to current clients, existing clients? We have, and they love it. That's good. We've gotten some great feedback. Matter of fact, we went to some of our, our, our clients and partners, obviously I mentioned it to you mm-hmm. just to get, just to get an overall feedback. And I think it energized you know, a lot of the folks that we talked to, and they, they thought it was a really cool thing that we were doing. Yeah. We've, got to, we've got to be able to uh, deliver on that, though. Right. And I, th- I think it, it captures exactly what y'all are going after beyond the payroll solutions, you know, beyond just payroll services. You're 
human like cap capital management right. you know making sure your people are taken care of from all the way all the way from the beginning to the end of the process right. and it allows them to see you are the full circle you're, you're you know you're crescent you're the, you're the whole thing but i think some people may feel kind of nervous at a name change because they may think it may come across as oh you're changing your logo you're changing your brand something's wrong you're going through some structuring issues people at least and maybe it's just me but maybe sometimes when you look at somebody change a name, it could be viewed as like negatively. Like, why are they changing their name? What's going on? What what's you get more intrigued as to why they're changing? Yeah, no, I sort of, I, I can see that, and I think that's why the these messaging videos that we're mm -hmm. doing um, are going to be important, so that it, we get that out there. Because I can't, you know, we've got over a thousand clients. I can't have an individual conversation with every single client in a small window of time. So let's let's put out a video, tell them why we're doing it. What's their impact going to be on them? And why is it important? Why should it be important to them? And how it's going to make their their experience with us better? Yeah, and I think that is probably the most effective way to get a rebrand out there to your clients, to where they know, okay, they're change they're changing their name, but they're making sure the services are going to be even better coming on the back end. Right. And it's not it's not some nervous thing we should be worried about as customers. True. You know, because I think like for someone getting purchased. And or bought out, and they got a name change. You know, we were just talking beforehand about a bank in a bank in town that got purchased, and having that name change occur, people could say, "Well, what's going to change for me as a customer? What's going to what? How am I going to be impacted? What services are going to be different? What people are going to be different through this rebrand, this name change, etc." But letting them know through a communication method of, "No, we're here. We're just reiterating what we're really about." Right. I think is going to be huge. Right. So y'all have actually. Been on the LSU top 100, right? We were. We were, I think, number 28 last year. Congratulations. Thank you. That is quite an accomplishment to be in that LSU 100. Top, is it, is that just LSU 100? Yeah, top yeah, top 100 alumni-owned. Right, alumni-owned businesses with, was it five years in business with 100,000 revenue or greater. Right. So that, I think, is a great networking tool. That's, that's we actually how we met. That's right. We actually met through that, and... Being a part of that group and within those select hundred businesses is a lot more. The more you put into it, right? Because like you, you called us because we were on the list, and that's how we initially met through organizations like that. So the networking factor of being an entrepreneur is you've always got to be on your game, looking for somebody within some section that you can reach out and talk to. No doubt, we did the same thing. Uh, we were on the Inc. Five Thousand list last year as well, and. You know, we we made a we made a push to to communicate with every, you know, Louisiana business that was on that list, and I think there was maybe twenty five to thirty of us. And it's a it's a good common bond that you have. Like, hey, I was on the list too, and you know, let's let's go grab lunch and learn about each other and see how we can help each other. It gives that instant credibility and that instant, hey, I'm I'm real. You know, not yes. not just cold calling you out of nowhere. Right. Here's how I got your contact information. Here's how we're associated, and let's just talk. Let's grow that relationship. Yeah. So you were also with the NOLA Angel Investors? Yes. So talk me through that. So so NOLAN, which is um, the the angel investment group that I'm a part of, um, it's it's really cool. So it's a it's a group of entrepreneurs, um, you know, figureheads, business business people, retirees that um, and just enjoy transactional business and, and being part of helping other companies grow. 
and you get to hear a pitch, you know, from one or two companies once a month. And then as a group, you do some due diligence and determine whether or not you want to invest. And these are typically, you know, high growth, sell their company within a three to five year span. But I've enjoyed it because it's allowed, it's allowed me to learn more about other industries and how they operate. And that's only been able to help, uh, you know, kind of hone my craft with, with what we're doing in my own, in our own business. Yeah. You're getting in front of more industries that you may not be aware of, you know? Oh yeah. Or like know how they operate and know where your services can come into play. Right. Cause it's not, I mean, being within the industry that you're in, you have to be able to talk to everybody in a variety of businesses from the restaurant industry to car care owners, to car dealerships, to real estate agents, you name it. You got to be able to talk to people across the board in whatever industry you've got. And so like within that, have you found it kind of challenging sometimes talking with clients? You know, some of these, some of these members are so smart and they've, they've been involved in venture capital before or they've, they've grown and exited multiple businesses. And it's a lot of times it's way over my head, but it does allow me to be able to ask more questions and, and them to be very receiving of teaching me like, this is what this is. And that's helped. That's really been a big part of um, what that networking component looks like in that organization as well. Yeah. And that's goes back to networking as an entrepreneur. You'll got to always be doing it. Right. So for somebody that doesn't have a pay, a third party payroll provider or a third party human resource manager, what is something you would kind of say to them to maybe get them thinking of switching to that? Well, I would probably tell them, you know, look, look at their responsibilities in their business and you know, the areas where they're, they're most impactful. It's typically not doing payroll or HR. So if, if they're spending a, a, you know, a good bit of time doing those things, they need to look at, hey, if I outsource this to someone that's really good at it and that's what they do for a living, how much time will allow me to focus on these things that do help me make money? And if they can do that, although it's a, initially a, it's a soft cost expense they're looking to eliminate, they quickly realize that, you know what, you know, I need to be doing that if I'm going to grow. Because think about an owner of a company. An owner of a company that, that, whose business continues to grow, if they don't relinquish some control of these aspects, they'll never grow. They will stay stagnant. So they've got to be able to outsource certain things. And it doesn't have to be just payroll or HR. It could be multiple things in their business. I've had countless startup companies that have been referred to us through an incubator, um, and they'll say, well, I don't have, I'm going to do it myself. I think I can do it myself. And I always tell them, like, Here's what's going to happen in three to six months. And sure enough, three to six months go by. Then they're calling me going, you were right. I shouldn't be doing this. I screwed it up. It's, way, it's taking me way more time than I needed to do it, and I need to be focusing on this. And for what a payroll company, not just mine, but what a payroll company charges, it's really minimal for what the business owner would pay himself or herself to do it themselves based on what their time is worth. Yeah, or the amount of additional revenue they could earn spending their time focusing on that rather than signing checks. Correct. Like, is that the ability for an entrepreneur to let go of some tasks has got to be one of the harder ones for most people. Some people are able to easily delegate and it works real fine. But for others, it's that sense of control of, no, I got to do it. It's It's their baby. It's their passion. It's what they're about. That has to be challenging 
to let go of? Right. And how do you even begin to walk them through that process? You know, I think that's where the, the, you know, the trust you like you component of your relationship has to work because you have to be able to convince them why it's important to them. And the only way that you can really do that is if you position yourself as a partner, you know, not a vendor, like, you know, let me just do this stuff and go do your thing. You know, Hey, we're, we're going to be a part of your success. So by doing these things for you, it's going to allow you to focus on these revenue generating tasks that will help you grow and scale your business. And they know that they've got a partner there that will always support them. So what does that integration process look like from start to finish with the onboarding of a new client for you all? Well, when we bring on a new client, um, we do a, an introduction to our implementation team. Um, they are there to be able to onboard the specific documents and things that we need to build the account in our technology, but also to be there to train them on our technology. So we'll, they'll probably stay in implementation depending on the size of the company, anywhere from a month to, to three to, to six months. You know, we've got some very large clients that needed a good six months before they were ready to be transitioned off to a, a permanent payroll specialist, a permanent specialist that they can work with. So it just depends, but we do a lot of, uh, of check-ins. You know, part of our sales team's responsibility is to do a, a 30, 60, 90-day check-in just to make sure that is everything going well? Are you satisfied? Collect feedback, maybe collect a testimonial, get a referral. And, you know, because I really think that within the first 90 days that a new client comes on board, that is their first impression of what they're going to get from us. Oh, 100%. So we've got to make sure that that is um, top-notch every time. Yeah, they have to feel like they're being integrated into the family right. of the business and not just, like you said, not just another vendor that they're going to cut a check to. Right. Like, because that's... Payroll goes really well till it doesn't. Very true. And you miss one person's check. Yep. And then it all goes downhill from there. Right. Because then that one little mistake of not having somebody paid on time is amplified. Right. And then they start picking out little things here and there of, oh, well, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, et cetera. Right. So y'all offer a, a wide, I'm, the only reason I'm, I'm thinking of this is because I was in a demo with y'all today mm -hmm. for a different client that we were both at and we were walking through the the processes and the procedures of what y'all do with clients and the services y'all provide. It's a lot that y'all can do on one platform. It is. That's what impressed me the most was the one platform ability of your organization is within some companies you have to get add-ins. You got to get different apps that link to this app, that link to this one. But it's all then in the age of logins, you can have three different accounts right. to do all these different <clears throat> activities. So from the same login, you've got what? Payroll processing. You've got review management. You've got HR management. Benefits I mean, administration, yeah. learning management, onboarding, applicant tracking. It's, it's a one-stop shop. And I think for a, you know, especially a larger business that doesn't want to log in three or four different places, there's, there's a tremendous amount of value there. Well, even for a smaller business on the review side of things, I think that's what really got, one of the elements that got me was the review side of things for employees. When you talk about building company culture, maintaining employees the entire time, or having a long retention span of an employee, those reviews have to be frequent, and you got to have notes from those reviews. So you've got at least a starting point that you can go back to when you review, when you have an, whether it's annual, monthly, quarterly. I mean, in an ideal world, 
you like to see your employees and touch them a little bit as much as you possibly can, whether it's once a month, once a quarter. But like when you get to a year or more, like how much engagement are you really able to gauge from them? Or are you really just talking about the last three months? Yeah, true. And and that's why you've got to have those, you know, I think we talked about today, the the, the mini one-to-ones that lead up to maybe an annual review so that at least you're getting a pulse of what's going on. You know, one of the big things in, in, in the technology is a pulse survey. So you can quickly push out a survey to your employees and capture two or three quick questions to see the overall health of your organization very quickly. Yeah. And to me, look, you saw some of the uh, predictive people analytics as well. So the technology from an AI perspective is really, it's, it's almost growing at a clip that's, you know, we can't keep up with. So, you know, our technology can, can basically do modeling behavior to be able to give a business predictability of what times of the year they're probably going to have turnover because the system can tell that this employee has gone in and pulled these check stubs or pulled these W-2s or this review wasn't great. So imagine for a larger company like the ones we met with today that has to be able to manage their turnover effectively based on their industry yeah. is, hey, if I can predict that in September of this year, we're probably going to have 100 to 200 terminations historically. I better make sure that, that my recruiting efforts for three or four months leading up to that are strong so that I can account for that, for that type of turnover so we don't miss a beat with, with our business. That's huge. That, that is huge. And the other predictive analysis of why did they leave? Right. Being able to see if I would have given my employees a 5%, 10% bump, how many would I have retained? Right. And again, it's all predictive analysis. Sure. It's not, you know, more etched in stone. But being able to predict based on historical facts is incredible to me. Yeah. From within, With any size of the organization, you know, because doing exit interviews is almost as is almost, if not more important than the, than the actual interview to hire the person. Knowing why they left right. tells you volumes within the organization. Yeah. You know, and going back to transparency within your organization, being able to ask those employees or ex-employees at the time those questions, what could we have done better? What could we have said or what could we have given you to make sure that you stayed? And it could be a, a variety of things from pay, time off, company culture, what have you. Very true. It's just a matter of knowing the numbers and the, and the information to make those decisions from a managerial position. Right. Which not every business has. No. And that's why I think companies that maybe don't outsource their their HCM, their human capital, they're they're missing a lot of that. Although they're it's it certainly can be done in house. They're they're gonna miss they're gonna miss a lot of that what they could afford their business by not looking into these into this technology. And again, going back to the, the the meeting we had today, they're doing it on Excel. They're doing it in Word. They're doing it in PDF. They're doing it in programs that are not designed specifically for that. No. Whereas if you have the right tools, you can build the right product. Right. You know, you don't go to a job site with tools for something entirely different and try to make them work. Right. You got to get the tools for the job. Right. And seeing that demo today was like, I was blown away. I was like, "This is this is a lot more than I thought was what it was." Yeah, and I, that's why I'm glad you saw it. Yeah, it's and that's another thing. Those relationships with 
partners in the industries that can help you grow your business and build those relationships is important to bring them in so they really understand what you've got right. in whatever industry you're in. If you're partnered or you're working closely with different people within a relatively similar industry, making sure that everybody's aware of what you actually offer can help them help you and vice versa. Right. So as we get towards the end of the show, we've got our set list of questions we typically like to ask. And that first one is, what is something you did as a kid you wish you could still do today? I wish I could still play basketball. Play basketball. Yeah, but I've had, I've got bum knees, so that doesn't happen very often. Or I can't do it actually. I don't have a, an ACL or an MCL in my right my right knee. Goodness. So moving laterally, doesn't work too well for me. So you can't juke anybody out. No, and I was good at that too. <laughs> That's probably why you don't have <laughs> yeah, it anymore. Right. right. <laughs> so, going from door-to-door sales to sales for pay for HR to owning your own human capital management organization, what are three lessons you have learned along this way? I would say the first one would be being able to handle rejection. You know, Gosh, in, yes. in, in my world, I, I call it, you got to have a short memory because you're going to get told no a lot. You know, and as you move into, you know, uh, furthering your sales career, you've got to be able to self-develop yourself. You can't just think that I'm going to be really good forever or I'm not good at all. I want to get better. You've got to always continue to look for ways to improve your ability, whatever it is that you're doing. And on the entrepreneurial end, take risks. you got to be willing to take risks. I think that's where a lot of uh, a lot of individuals that I talk to that say, "Oh, it's it's you know, it's sound like it looks like it was pretty easy to start a company," <laughs> and I laugh at them. <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, do you own your own business? No, then you have no idea because yeah. it's not easy." So I think you know, as an entrepreneur, if you're not willing to take risks, then you could potentially miss out on some great opportunities, and some of those risks may lead to failure. You know, you may have to. You may have to close your business, but it may open up another door for another yeah. business. And at least you've you've got those lessons that you learned along the way. Within that, see, I call failures a good learning le learning opportunities. Oh, it's like tuition. That's <clears throat> paying for tuition. It gets to be some very pricey tuition right. depending on the industry. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the fear of rejection will stop so many people from even thinking about getting started. You know, and I, I kind of took the mentality a few years ago of running through my head the scenario of what is the worst possible outcome if I were to do this decision? What is the worst possible outcome if I were to make this business decision? And once I thought about it and processed it, I was like, okay, that's not that bad. Your life will continue. You're, you will still go on and be yourself. Then it was like a no-brainer to me at that point. Right. Because I had accepted the failure of the pot, I accepted the possibility of the failure before I even started, and it just blew that fear of rejection of failure right out the water and said, Let's go. Yeah, now I know what the worst thing that can happen is I'm all in. It is. So, what is something you like about Louisiana? We won't say particularly bad. I mean, you were 
You're a tiger, so we could ask it in Baton Rouge's sense, but y'all are located more towards the New Orleans area. So Louisiana as a whole. Do I like Louisiana? What is something you like about Louisiana as a whole? You know, I love the fact that I think the business community is is always looking out for itself. And I think there's some camaraderie in that respect. Um, it's not as cutthroat if you look at a, you know, a major market city like New York or Houston or Dallas or, you know, Los Angeles. I, I think ultimately business owners want to see others be successful because that only helps them in their success as well. And I think Louisiana has a, has a really good uh, community of that. And that's, that's been a big part, I think, of our success too, is they're, they're, everybody's willing to help each other. They're, they're at least they're willing to try, you know, figure out a way in which they can help you. Right. Whether if they can't help you directly, maybe they can direct you to somebody else who can. Right. And look, we've, you know, as, as we continue to expand the business and, you know, we're, we're looking for other geographies to move into, you know, we've, we've, we've taken that same concept and said, look, why would we go open up an office in Houston, Texas, where there's a thousand other me's, right? Let's go find a, you know, a Lafayette or, a Baton Rouge or Mobile or Pensacola, where it is more like a, a New Orleans market, where it's a smaller market, more community-based, and I think we thrive there. Yeah, and you're able to maintain that 125 clients per person by sticking one person over there. Right. You know, you go and you're this this market area manager. You manage the clients within here, and it's it's effective in that sense that you don't need to open a full shop of 10 people to be able to manage an area no, because you're after select individual businesses that you don't need to appeal to the mass market. Right. And it works. It does. So for the final question, man, what can I do to help you? You've already done that. You invited <laughs> me on your show. I appreciate it. But beyond the show, come on. Man. No, look, I've, uh, I've enjoyed our relationship since we, since we met each other for the first time. I think we've got some synergies and, we, we, we conduct business in a, in a very similar way, and that's to me, that's what kind of draws me to continue in a relationship with you. And I think you're, I think you're destined for a lot of success too. I'm going to try. Yeah. I'm going to do my best Yeah, and be, be okay with whatever failures come along the yeah. way. No, look, I think the, the best way to help me is, is, is something like this, like letting me get my, my, continue to get my brand out there, who we are. You know, we're, we're definitely not a, a household name by any means, but I'm, I'm hoping to get to that. So doing things like this is, uh, is important to me. Well, I'm glad you're able to come on and we're able to make this work. Um, for those that are maybe interested, what's the easiest way to get in touch with you and learn more? We're going to link your website and all that within the show notes. So I hope if you change the URL, it gets pushed correctly. Yes, or not. We'll just <laughs> well, get we'll, fig- we'll, we'll figure we'll, it we'll out. We'll figure that out. But so what is the easy way for people to get a hold of you? Easiest way, uh, uh, right now it's sales, S-A-L-E-S at crescent-payroll.com. That's going to shortly change to sales at crescent-hr.com. But you also can call our office at 504-301-3318, and anyone in the office can help you, whether it's a sales-related question or just a a general payroll question. Perfect. Well, Sanders, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate everybody else, whether you are listening or watching this show I know that the guests really appreciate you coming and listening and watching them and learn a little bit about their business. So if you're in the, the market for payroll or you maybe just want to hear a little bit more about Sanders in general, be sure to reach out to them and let them know that you heard about him here on the Patty G Show. 
Well, y'all, this has been the latest episode. I think we're on episode like 125. So thank y'all so very much for this journey that we've been on together. I really appreciate it so very much that y'all are here each and every week with us. And I also appreciate the wonderful people that make this show possible. We're going to hear a little bit more about them right now. Thank you all so very much for listening to this episode of the Patty G Show brought to you by Government Taco. They're located on the corner of Government Street and Jefferson Highway. Jay is always slinging up a new taco of the month. So if you're a frequenter to Government Taco, let us know in the comments what you thought about this month's taco of the month. If you're not a frequenter, maybe trying out this month's taco might just convert you. Big thanks over to them at Government Taco for making the Patty G Show possible. Thank you so very much to our sponsor, Falaya Real Estate. They are the all-in-one real estate platform for you, whether you're buying or selling. They've got options starting out at $399 to sell your home. The average lister saves anywhere from $7,800 on their closing of their home. It's really incredible what they're doing with it. Barrett is amazing at Falaya. Jacob, they're going to help you through the entire process from start to finish and really treat you like family. At Horizon Financial Group, we enjoy helping others achieve greater confidence, clarity, and direction in their lives. We realize everyone's path to financial success is unique. Sometimes you just need a friendly guide along the way. Whether it's customized financial planning, individual wealth management, or servicing your company's retirement plan, we've got the team with the experience to help you reach your goals. Horizon Financial Group, helping you provide, protect, and prosper for those counting on you. Visit us at horizonfg.com. Satera Advisors, LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. Satera is a separate entity. Thank you to Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge for making this show possible. Nick Pintus is a past guest. We love having him on. Listening to him talk about the culture they have over at Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge is really an incredible thing to hear how they treat not only their employees, but every customer that walks through the door. You are more than just a number to them. They're going to give you that white glove concierge service every step of the way. They're going to make you feel like family and take what can be a stressful time in people's life, shopping for a car. They're going to make it so enjoyable and so pleasurable. You're going to want to go back there time and time again for every new vehicle. Thank you so very much for Mercedes-Benz of making this show possible. Thank you so very much to Mallard Bay Outdoors, the Airbnb for the outdoor sportsmen. If you're looking to book a hunt or a fishing trip, this is the platform to use. They were a past guest of the Patty G Show. We got to learn all about what they're doing from the ground up. They are really revolutionizing the booking process for hunts and fish all across the country for your next hunting or fishing experience or maybe your corporate retreat you're looking for something to do for your employees book a hunt or a fishing trip with mallard bay outdoors and they will take care of you every step of the way from organizing it with the guides and the captains to making sure you can take care of them at the end of the trip mallard bay outdoors a proud sponsor of the patty g show